have on very dry land. But still feeling sorry, yet a bit of a hypocrite, she added, You should have left them with our phone number in case anything should crop up. I did. Oh. Sally made her way to the scullery and the dishes. Then by way of an enticement, she said, If you got on with the painting and finished the house this holiday, it would leave you clear next year, and we could... The chair scraped hard on the lino. I suppose it would. His exit was as curt as had been his reply. The door slammed. The ladder outside banged against the wall, scraped along one of the upper windows, making a screeching noise. And she just stopped herself from rushing out and crying, For heaven's sake, be careful! At half past ten, the phone rang, and she went to it quite gaily. It might be one of a number of friends, or it might be one of the dozens of local schoolboys who had forgotten he was on holiday and wanted a word with his favourite teacher, Mr. Chips. How she loathed that nickname for Fred. It was neither of these. It was the man from Blake's office in London. A cancellation had just come in for a three-berth cruiser. Weren't they lucky? Weakly, she said, there were only two of them. Whereupon the man said, Well, madam, it'll go like hot cakes. She checked the appropriate retort. The phone was in the hall, and her husband had a phobia about it. Nothing would induce him to answer it, even if he was passing when it rang. She could be in the bath, and frequently had been, when he had yelled, Phone! And she'd had to tear downstairs, wet and shivering in her dressing gown, and answer a boyish squeak, inquiring for Mr. Chips. Now, to get from the top of the ladder to her side, he must have leapt down the fourteen rungs, and he arrived just at the moment when a great temptation was not only assailing her, but had all but conquered her. The phone was snatched from her hand, and in his politest tones he said, Carpenter here, you've got one. The voice from the other end replied, It's for three, twenty-nine pounds. Dogfish Three, that's its name, lovely little craft, at Olton Broad. Good. Well, yes, by all means, five pounds deposit, yes. Yes, take over four o'clock, Saturday. Fine. Thank you very much. Yes, we are very lucky. Goodbye, goodbye. Sally found herself swung round the hall, danced round the kitchen to a life-on-the-ocean wave, and plumped into a chair. Gone was the curtness, gone was the wife-driven house-painting husband, here was the merry jolly boy, and the merry jolly boy took her face between his hands until her lips did prunes. Then he stuck his two index fingers into the sides of her mouth and pulled her face up into a smile. Come on, come on, it's going to do you the world of good, make a new woman of you. What about the concrete for the drive, was the reply. We were to give up a holiday now to get that done. Oh, honey, the drive will be here when you're not. You're going to have a holiday. We'll not do it under forty pounds, and we can't afford it, and the concrete and all. Damn the concrete! And we'll do it on thirty-five, you'll see. Bill! It was a cry from Sally's heart and she looked towards the corner of the kitchen where, in an outsize in dog baskets, was lying an outsize in bull terriers. Bill!
Bill, oh my God, yes, oh Lord. Bill was the love of their lives, all his sixty pounds, but he was also the worry of their lives. He was possessed by only two passions, one kind for people, another for dogs. The first was an endearing passion, the second was a tooth-and-gore emotion. Bill's temper had been broken completely when, as a pup, his best friend, a big Labrador, turned on him over the small matter of a bone and left his face in ribbons. From that day, every dog became suspect, and a great deal of the carpenter's life was spent keeping Bill in the garden and other dogs out. At this point, Bill rose, waddled over to them with his hippo roll, stretched out his back legs, and laughed. We could try the pointers. We could say he's quietened down. You know he's...